0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. A little bit like here of late, uh, you know... A shepherd that seems like I'm constantly coming to the pulpit. That's trying to keep the sheep encouraged, you know, and uplifted, uh, which 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 is a responsibility, you know, to do. Uh, trying to just kind of hold your hands up, so to speak. I feel a little bit like an Aaron or a Her uh, that's surrounding a Moses just to keep the hand up, and uh, others that look at just the circumstance may think, you know, what you know. Just always preaching something encouraging here lately, you know, but sometimes you keep a hand up and it may not look like much right there, but see, there's a battle taking place somewhere else on the ground that because of hands that are lifted here. That can allow victory somewhere else. And so uh, please uh, bear with me tonight because I feel like I'm just upholding another hand tonight. But that's been kind of the, the, the mode of life around here uh, for a while. You know, by, by nature and virtue, literal sheep, uh, their hearing is very, very good. A sheep's hearing is very good, very significant, and so uh, anything that's any decibel level can frighten or, or scare off a sheep because it has very keen ears. And so, oftentimes, real shepherds have to talk to sheep in calm and soft voices, and yet. I understand tonight as well. I am not ignorant, okay? Uh, I might be stupid, but I'm not ignorant. Uh, But uh, one thing is for sure, and that is this. I've learned that whenever I've done studies about literal sheep, and that's if, if they won't stand, if they won't stand whenever there's opportunity to stand, it's probably because the sheep is in pain. That's the common knowledge of shepherds. If they won't stand when they're, opportunity to stand it's probably because they're in pain and so I'm not ignorant tonight all right I want you to know that and try to keep all of that in mind Genesis chapter 42 we'll begin reading with verse number 21 about 15 years ago I was evangelizing during those years I was evangelizing and uh, what I preached about 15 years ago close of akin I'm going to preach here tonight I was preaching in a church in florida uh, at that time and uh, the man that was there at that time had just recently taken a pastorate there had just come from another pastorate in another state that had ended quite horribly abruptly A lot of things that don't even need to go into tonight concerning what uh, they endured or went through, and they accepted this new pastorate down in Florida, which was really just, uh, in retrospect, was going to just be a place of healing for them. And uh, God sent me as an evangelist through uh, that state of Florida to a pastor's and pastor's wife that was world was just totally in shambles and uh constructed my heart around something that's close of akin that i'm going to share with you tonight amen that was of help to them and that they would even talk to me and my wife after this uh, message was ever delivered to them that spoke of how that helped them during this time of sorrow so i hope it's too of somebody's help uh tonight as well genesis 42 and verse number 21 Amen. The Bible says, and they said one to another, we're right here smack dab in the middle of Joseph's story. Okay. Uh, Joseph's story takes over a large proportion of the book of Genesis. And so it says, and they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother. These are the brothers of Joseph that are speaking at this time in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. And we would not hear, therefore, is this distress come upon us, okay? They have went to Egypt to get provision for their families, for Jacob, their father, and uh, they are being accused of being spies in this moment. The Bible says in verse number 22, and Reuben answered them saying, spake I not unto you saying, do not sin against the child and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And so they thought some of the things that were happening right now in this moment is because they had done ill toward their brother Joseph. All right? This is the only way that they could interpret what was going on in the moment. Verse 23, and they knew not that Joseph, we understand that he was second in command over Egypt at this time, but these brothers understood not that Joseph understood them. Everybody say understood them. For he spake unto them by an interpreter. He's second command of Egypt. He is speaking the language of the Egyptians, all right, while his brothers are speaking Hebrew. So he spake to them by an interpreter, so they were not quite clear that he could understand them. And he turned, Joseph himself, about from them and wept, because he heard what they said. Heard every word, every syllable, and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Amen. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want to speak to this body of people that God understands, that God understands stands. Because pictured within the life of Joseph, we have a lot of Old Testament characters that picture uh, Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Among them, Joseph is one of them. Amen. Just as he understood his brothers and their concerns, uh, God understands our concerns and our needs tonight as well. Simply said, he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly where you're at. Father, I come to you this evening. I pray, oh Lord, that you're able to help us tonight. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, for fresh wind and fresh fire, fresh power and anointing. God, upon my mind and these lips of clay, I pray, oh Lord, this evening, God, that you're able to help somebody. God, help me, Lord, uplift a hand, Lord, tonight. God, help me, Lord Jesus, to support a shoulder. I pray, oh God, through the ministry of your word. God, you're able to speak, Lord, and to someone's alive God I pray oh Lord those that are in pain God from the circumstances of life God I know Lord this morning God we hit Lord God the anvil Lord Jesus of darkness Lord and our interpretation of that but God we come back Lord God to this place this evening God I'm not trying to belabor a point I'm not trying to belabor Lord Jesus God a condition of some but Lord I'm just trying to be a crutch Lord God through the word that somebody might be able to lean upon and find confidence and comfort. Comfort from in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I pray, Amen and Amen. Can the church say, Amen? Look at your neighbor before you're seated and tell them, God understands, God understands, Hallelujah. Amen. Again, I'm not trying to. I hope I hope everybody's okay with me here for some time. That's been trying to encourage and uplift weak hands and feeble knees around here. But uh, uh, I don't want to be redundant. But at the same time, I, as I said, I'm not ignorant. All right, I'm not ignorant. And so we deal with all these different circumstances of life, and you can label it as it may be for your own life. You know, there's time that. Uh, parents may even lose their infant child uh, to a premature birth, which would be just horrific. There's times that families stand at the graveside and the coffins of, of of loved ones who perhaps struggled with some type of terminal illness and was taken too quickly or too soon from them. There's other times that there's families, wives, and husbands that sat down at their kitchen table and maybe even through the past, you know, few uh, years or months that they embrace one another and they're weeping over perhaps some of the current loss of a well-paying job or a downsizing of a company or perhaps there's some type of demotion that takes place for whatever the reason may be. There's other circumstances that arrive in people's life. There's, there's people that, that have marriages that emerge into trouble and difficulty and so the vice, if you will, of, of circumstances of life enters in and we become overwhelmed. Uh, we become overburdened, if you will, with what circumstances of life would given to us. There's times that there can be siblings that might even blame themselves or, you know, uh, another sibling's suicide or a taking of their life. All of these things that come about represent just a small section or snapshot of what really takes place in our lives. Real life circumstances. It, I don't. I, I want to be a, a human here for a moment, and touchable, if you will. Uh, not every day is a good day not every month's a good month not every week's a good week there are literal times that we're keeping our head just above water and all too common at times we have these type of circumstances that are interrupting our otherwise joyful lives peaceful lives you know, lives of laughter and lives of lightheartedness. but then comes in these type of circumstances and it's in these moments you know how it is it's people that's just being kind, it's people that's just trying to, you know, uh, put themselves in arms around the awkwardness of what you're going through and of what you're facing, and they come to you and they say those words, and you know, they're just trying to be kind, but it really doesn't do anything, and they tell you, I I, I understand, I understand, you know, you're going through hell on earth, you're going through perhaps one of the greatest trials or tragedies of your life, and they're giving these little nice passive words, I I understand, and the back of your mind, you're thinking you don't even begin to understand where I am. You don't really even know what I'm going through. And the fact of the matter, none of us can know what another's going through. We're, none of us are in the other one's shoes exactly You know, in that particular place. And so where these little passive words of I understand sometimes can almost seem like comfortless words. It's like that's the last thing I need you to tell me that you understand because you really don't understand what I am going through and so people speaking things into our life and they're just trying to be kind and it's hard sometimes to understand that when we're in that mode that they're just trying to be kind and they're trying to be sensitive to us but there's sometimes it seems like any word spoken to us is insufficient that it doesn't matter what anybody says the load is still there it doesn't matter how many times you have words of comfort that still it's still there, it hasn't moved it's not changed, it's not altered. Every voice lacks comfort. It can even be your husband or wife that's trying to support you with words of comfort, but there's no comfort found in them. And it seems like nobody can identify with your dilemma that nobody knows exactly what you're going through. But I'm here to encourage somebody tonight that it's in those exact moments that God can come down and descend to the lowly state of humanity which we all are a part of. And he begins to tell us, amen, that he can relate with us. Amen, because one of the reasons why he ever left the throne in glory to come down in humanity wasn't just to die for us but for the purpose of relating with mankind. Amen, tempted in all ways like we are yet without sin. A man of sorrows, a man that is acquainted with grief. He wants us to know that he does And can understand what we are going through because sometimes we get in a mode that we get in this misconceived idea and concept that God doesn't even understand our circumstance, that God doesn't even understand my trial, that. God doesn't even understand the gravity of what I am carrying. And we begin to think sometimes, how can this God, because this is what we do oftentimes, God is just some surreal being off in the distance somewhere. He's somebody that's walking on clouds up there. He's somebody in the great, you know, streets of gold and gates of Pearl City. He's somebody that's, how how can that high and that lofty God understand something about humanity, understand something about, about the lowly and the humble. How could even under how can I even get the attention of God? But it's at those moments that I've witnessed in my own life that whenever I thought God was far, He was actually near, and He draws me close to Him and whispers into my ear an unparalleled understanding of where I am, what I'm going through, and what I'm facing that God understands. Amen. Amen. He relates with us as Joseph did with his brethren. There are, as I said tonight, a variety of characters in the Old Testament scripture that depict, or if they will, are foreshadowing the role of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Some of their lives more distinct than others foreshadow the role of Jesus Christ, such as the life of David. There are certain things and aspects about the life of David that foreshadows the Lord's Life. There are others in the Old Testament script whose lives, amen, if you were to trace them, somewhat foreshadowed the role of Jesus Christ. But there perhaps is none better that does this foreshadowing of the Old Testament to the New Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ than Joseph's life. It's a life that we need to take in consideration of evaluation of how we can see Jesus in the life, amen, of Joseph. When you begin to consider Joseph of the Old Testament script scripture which again a good portion and majority of Genesis was written about his story we understand that Joseph suffered persecution from his very own brothers right some are saying kill him others are saying let's sell him and the general consensus was this whenever it was all said and done that they did indeed sell Joseph the Bible says for 20 pieces of silver to some who were going by also in the life of Joseph we understand He had that coat. Remember your Sunday school class? That coat of many colors that he wore. He was highly favored by his father. Amen. That coat of many colors was an indication of the favor and the love that his father had upon him. Amen. And yet Joseph went by the way. Amen. Into humiliation. Being sold into slavery. We understand the life of Joseph. That he resisted the temptation temptation of Potiphar's wife while he was in Potiphar's house and the bible says that he suffered a unjust imprisonment. In other words, he didn't deserve to be in prison. He didn't deserve to be on trial, but he was nonetheless. And finally we see that during his days of being in prison, the Bible says that the baker, the butler rather, amen, when he was released from prison, he forgot all about Joseph. He did not remember him. He did not remember what he had done in the prison. And then when it's all said and done, we finally see the Joseph that is exalted to second command of Egypt a man only under Pharaoh and he understand from his life that Joseph was one then that forgave those who at least in spirit had put him to death amen amen someone say amen. amen and the same people that he forgave were the ones then that looked to him being the savior if you will of their time due to a famine that was in the land and they looked to the same man for relief, for provision, lest they perish. Now you tell me how that doesn't picture your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because in certain areas and degrees Joseph typifies the Lord who likewise suffered persecution from his very own the Jews. Judas would betray him. Peter would deny him. All would flee from him. Amen. He suffered from his own. That was a close circle of his. Judas would sell him for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus the Bible says in scripture and over and over that he was highly favored of his father, and he went through humiliation also, being nailed to a tree, for the Bible says cursed is everyone that is strung up or nailed to a tree. Jesus was tempted likewise in his garden of Gethsemane. He says, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. He suffered an unjust crucifix. He went through an unjust trial. He was He went through an unjust trial. He was not guilty, he was innocent, but he went through the trial nonetheless. And as we said this morning, he hung up on the tree, feeling forsaken and forgotten. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And yet all of these events were the preliminaries to his ascension. They were, if you will, the very crux of the beginning of his purpose and his promise. Someone say amen. And he would say from that cross, Father, forgive them, for I know not what they do. And now he stands after ascension, even before and after, as the door to the sheepfold. And if you are to be a part of his flock, the only way to be a part of it is to come through and by him. What are you saying? He's the savior of the world. He's the one that everybody now looks to for provision, for safety, lest they perish. So he mirrors. The life of Joseph. Amen. It's cold outside, but it's starting to get hot. Prior to our text, Joseph has just called his brothers spies. He has demanded of them to prove that you're not spies when you come back into my presence. He says, bring your youngest brother with you so that I can verify these words of you saying that you are not spies. And if you will do this, I will save your lives. And so as the brothers are hearing the whole scenario as Joseph sets it out, they don't recognize that's their brother. They see this as a man of power. They see this as a man of influence, but they cannot make the connection that he is one of their own. And so they begin to talk among themselves. And they begin to accuse themselves in the presence of Joseph. Hallelujah. They don't recognize it's him, and they start to think, you know what? We've done some bad things in our life. There's some bad things in our past that we have done. We you remember what we did to Joseph? You remember how that, that wrongful deed of selling him and all that was done. And so here they are. They're receiving this interrogation from Joseph, and they're thinking that maybe this man is going to harm us. He's a man of power. A man of influence, perhaps he is going to harm us. Amen. Because somewhere in the past, we harmed our own brother because somewhere in the past we treated unlikely toward our own brother and maybe we're just reaping what we've sown maybe this is coming down the pike to us because of what we have done in the past amen to our brother and the Bible says plainly that they spoke to one another in the Hebrew tongue amen because they did not suspect for one day or one moment that that man of power and that man of influence could understand what they were talking about about or for that matter, understand what they were saying. They thought that man was a native of Egypt. They thought that man was born and bred in Egypt. He had the language of Egypt, he has the power and the influence of Egypt. Hey Amen. That they could not grasp the idea that we can have a conversation right here about our past, what we've done, and he won't know anything of what we're saying or what we're talking about. But the fact that the matter is this, Joseph understood every single word that they were saying, Joseph understood the very moment that they were talking about, as they seen him as a man of power and influence that was disassociated from them, he was a man of power and influence that was associated by God, God. Hear me now. There's probably nothing more embarrassing than you speaking a language among people that you think don't know the language. <laughs> and then they say something to you within the tongue you think they don't know. These boys are having a discussion of their faults, of their failures, of what they've done. <laughs> All of long, Joseph has been using an interpreter, the scripture says. You know how it works. He says something in the Egyptian tongue to them. That interpreter says it in the Hebrew tongue to the boys. The boys speak in the Hebrew tongue back to the interpreter. He relays it back to Joseph in the Egyptian tongue. He's been using... An interpreter he's been giving them this impression that he is an Egyptian that could not speak their language Whew. so with that it kind of even takes away even if they had an inkling you know he looks familiar type of scenario it kind of takes away the aspect of it can't be because he don't even speak Whew. our language there's no way. And so the malady, of, the malady of the brothers is really simply this tonight. That they were in the presence of Joseph and they didn't know that he could understand them. Whew. I can't tell you sometimes how we find ourselves at similar junctions. Sister Roxanna, that we're really in the presence of God and we don't think that he can understand us he don't think we we don't think he can understand our pain We don't think that he can understand the upheaval of what's going on in our life. We're in his presence, but we don't think that he can understand us. Can someone say amen? But Joseph did understand their words. He felt what they were feeling. Whenever they started talking about how they had done him years ago, all of those feelings had to rush back upon his life, remembering the day and the moment of his mistreatment. Amen, but in the same time and he remembers everything that took place in the moment, he's listening and hearing their sorrow right now. He's listening and hearing to their remorse right now. And that affects Joseph to the degree that the Bible says he had to dismiss himself from their presence and go aside over here and do a little crying and mourning himself. Why? Because he understood. He understood what well, you saying, Brother McGee. I'm saying some of you are having your time remote, remorse and sorrow, and crying, but I'm here to tell you tonight, God understands where you're at, and you're even causing God to cry, because he has a heart of affection, amen, for what's affected you, it's affecting him. He's kind of dismissing himself for a moment, and he's, he's just like, they just don't understand that I understand. They just don't get it that I get their language. They don't understand that we're associated. We have blood kinship. They just... Someone say, yeah. Yeah. Identified with their feelings. Felt that remorse. He felt everything that they were feeling in that moment. But they didn't know that Joseph understood them. And just as they didn't understand Joseph, there's people today... Don't really understand how much God understands where you're at. Again, folks, Sister Adams, he was despised and rejected of men. He was, Isaiah said, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I feel the Holy Ghost understands. He understands what it feels like to be betrayed by someone who is close to him. God understands. He knows what it feels like to lose and have the loss of a life of a dear friend like Lazarus and stand at his grave. God Understands. He knows what it's like to feel weary and tired and thirsty and hungry. He's experienced all of that. He knows what it's like to receive love from someone in one minute and then be hated by the same person in the next minute. God understands. He understands every feeling of loneliness. He understands the feelings of anger. He understands the feelings of disappointment. He understands the feelings of frustration. God understands. Understands. He's dealt with the pains of death. He's dealt with the pains of sorrow. He's seen the hurting. He's touched the sick. He's been there with the diseased in their misery. He's had compassion on them. God. Oh Jesus. Yes he understands what are you saying he's not some god afar off or aloof some intangible being somewhere far away that he can't be reached by our concerns or reached by our situations and for that matter let me tell you tonight there isn't a certain language you got to speak in order to get on the same frequency as god Someone say amen. What are you saying? I'm saying he understands your prayer. When you can stumble over your words and get three syllables out and when all you got is groaning and crying, he understands. Or when you're well articulate in that prayer closet, it matters not. He understands. You don't have to use King James Version language of these and thous and shouts in order for God to understand. You can just talk to him like I'm talking to you right now and God will... Under he stood there, he still understands. Joseph goes out and cries, God, somewhere. In a sense of sympathy, and might I say even empathy, how's his head feeling the agony and the pain of his people? Consider, if you will, with me tonight, that whenever his prophet Elijah had one of the greatest successes of his life on Mount Carmel, and then was told by that woman Jezebel, That by tomorrow your life is going to be as the lives of the prophets of Baal and the grove. You're going to be a dead man. You're going to be like them by tomorrow. That whenever he runs away and retreats into the wilderness. And leaves his servant and goes a little further. And gets up on the mountain. And is requesting God, why don't you just kill me? Sister Sheila, even in that moment, God understood his man. Listen to me. But this is the tremendous nature of your God tonight. God wasn't insensitive to where Elijah was. He knew where he was. You always hear me. If God asks you the question, it's not for you. It's for you. It's not for God. It's for you. Twice he asked Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? God didn't need to know. He's wanting Elijah to look at his own life. But look what happens in that mountain experience. Before there's the fire and the earthquake and the wind and the still small voice. Before all of that, the Bible tells us God wasn't insensitive. He knew where he was. He sent an angel of the Lord to him. And that angel of the Lord, while Elijah was sleeping, prepared angel food. (laughs) Prepared angel food and water and gave instruction to the man of God gave encouragement to the man of God. And the Bible says that he went in the strength of that food and of that water for 40 days. What is God doing in the moment? The Almighty is coming down and letting a worn out prophet know. I know exactly where. God's like when you don't have when you don't have the strength or or the energy or the zeal to even take care of yourself. I'm going to send bread. I'm going to send wonder. I'm going to give instruction and I'm going to breathe encouragement into you. I'm not here putting the hard hammer down upon what you've did because you heard Jezebel's word. No, 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 no. He says I want you to know I understand. I think I've said this before, but it bears repeating. Folks, it's okay to not be okay. That's right, yes. Yes. Absolutely. The Bible says in Genesis 42, verse 23, I got to move on. Whew, Lord help us. And they knew not that Joseph understood them. This was in our scripture reading. For he spake unto them by an interpreter. Everybody say, an interpreter. An interpreter. We're not lacking our interpreters still yet today. I'm not talking about somebody that's mediating between people of two different languages. We got those two, but I'm saying even the church, we're not void of our interpreters today. We have the word of God from Genesis to Revelation that in many ways serves as our interpreter of God. That makes God real or tangible or or at least forms an idea about his majesty to us the interpreter of the stories of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation and I try to God knows I try I try as a pastor that whenever I stand and teach to somehow somehow try to be an interpreter of heavenly things and bringing them to earthly understanding try try to interpret if you will and preach and teach so on and so forth We find ourselves sometimes because of where we are in life, what's going on in life, that we even contend sometimes with these measures and ways that God speaks to us by his word. Sister Roxanne, and even through the preacher, what are you saying? So we get confidence from reading the word. We get confidence from hearing the preach word of God. But there's sometimes our circumstances are so bleak. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just saying I know because I've been there before. Sometimes circumstances are so bleak that even those sources seem to wane in their impact on me because of where I am and the mentality that I've got. And listen to me now, I'm by no means taken away from God's word. And I'm by no means taken away from the pastor, the preacher of God's word. But what I'm saying is sometimes because of where we are, we're not always receptive. To these things that at any other time it's given, it's good. Yeah, right. Boom. But there's other times it hits us in the forehead, just falls on our lap. Like it may be doing for somebody tonight, you know, I'm trying to interpret, but just not always receptive because there's times in our life that even more than just a word being spoken through preached or teaching or picking up the word of God and breaching it open and reading the scriptures, there's some times in our life that seem like they demand a direct warm embrace from the master himself. Whew. There's times that We need that direct interaction. We need the confirmation outside of an intermediate interpreter that God, someone say amen, understands. Joseph, the Bible says, kept speaking through an interpreter. But when the time, I feel a holy when the time was just right and the boys had went away and Simeon had been kept in prison and and when they went away and they come back and they got Benjamin with them and they appear before Joseph again and they got money that was still in their sacks and they're feeling like this is even getting worse because he's going to think we stole this and they got all this stuff coming to when the time was right Joseph all along anytime he had interaction with them spoke by means of an interpreter but when the time was right The Bible says that his brethren were evidently at that place. That they were at a point that they needed more than an interpreter. And they needed more than just more grain for provision for Jacob and their family. And they needed more than just money restored back to their sack's mouth. They needed something more. They needed something more. that The Bible tells us in Genesis 45 and verse 1 that when that time come it wasn't money now being put back in the sack. It wasn't Joseph speaking by an interpreter to them but the Bible says that Joseph could not refrain. That's the scripture. He could not refrain himself and he made himself known the brethren. You know what he was? He was at the place. Money's not going to do it for him. More grain's not going to do it for him. An interpreter's not sufficient. They're going to have to know it's me. They're going to have to know unequivocally I understand. I'm your brother. I'm associated with you. We're of kit. Somebody you might have had extra money over the past few months in a figurative way, and it might have been another interpretation, if you will, or more grain, but you're at a point that's just not good enough, and God's saying, wait a minute, I've been crying over here in a corner because they've been crying, but I can't refrain no more. and say amen. amen he couldn't he couldn't restrain himself he made himself known unto his brethren and what happened in that moment money couldn't do grain couldn't do an interpreter couldn't do yes God uses his word and yes God uses the man but there are some times sometimes God doesn't send an angel and he doesn't send anything else. He comes himself. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 7 I've preached these verses throughout my ministry. But 1 Peter 5 and 7 it says casting. Everybody say casting. All your care upon him for he careth for you the word casting in the Greek interprets here we go casting it interprets once and for all once and for all because we have this mode of life sister Adams we come to church with our care oh it's heavy I've cried over it I've grieved about it I wake up and it's there. I go to sleep at night. It's there. I toss and turn with it all night. Come with my care. We come to church because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Especially when you got care. You're there, but you really don't feel like being there. Just might as well be real with me. Really don't feel like being there, but that's what you're supposed to do. I'm a good child of God. Bless God. Amen. Hallelujah. Going to go. Got my care. Oh, hallelujah. I'm in service. And sometimes during the service, we cast our care boom it's like in a moment whoo thank you jesus like god oh i just feel some victory but we come to the closure of the service and instead of going out the door it's like i'm obligated to this this is what life's been like and they go home had that moment of reprieve but we go home with their care still on her shoulder. But to cast it is to cast it once and for all. It's not the put down and the pick up and the put down and the pick up. It's the put down. And it's the leave. The old song we say, leave it there. Leave it there is the old song. Take your burdens to the Lord. Leave it there. Trust and never doubt He will surely bring you out. You just take your burdens to the Lord. Leave it there. Boy, that's a good old song, isn't it? Cast it upon him. The Bible says, For he careth for you. Someone say that with your voice tonight. He careth for me. We're in disbelief oft times of what we even say. What that means in the Greek language there in the book of Peter is this. It means that God meddles, M-E-D-D-L-E-S. You talk about someone meddling with your business, getting in, searching around, scratching around. He does this. He meddles or concerns himself with the things that are concerns to us. He gets in the middle of it and scratches around. He like meddles. He turns over rocks and stones and papers and looks at everything. He meddles and concerns himself with what concerns us. I think I said this this morning because literally what affects you affects him. Right? The Bible says the psalmist picked up this same concept of care. We're doing all right. I got to hurry though, don't I? Psalms 55 and verse 22, the psalmist says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord. I like this verse because it kind of gives a little bit more clarity to what really goes on. Cast thy burden, Sister Charlene, upon the Lord. And he, everybody watch this. This is so important. I've told you this before probably in the past umpteen years. All right. But sometimes you need to underline it in your Bible and write a note next to it. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. And he shall, everybody watch it. This is important. Sustain thee. Brother Gregory, it would seem to me that the proper wording would be cast thy burden upon the Lord and he will sustain it. What you cast upon him. That's not scripture. It says cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Someone say amen. amen. You know what that tells me, Bishop? That He doesn't only carry my burden but He carries the one that was bearing. So there is really a mode that if I'll cast myself who am burdened upon the Lord He carries both me and what's burdening. Because there's some of y'all You don't just need to be relieved of the load. You need somebody to carry you as the load for them. What are you saying? Because there's some things we carry sometimes. They bruise our shoulders. They cause woundings to our spirits. And just being void of the burden isn't good enough. I don't even have strength to walk because I've been carrying it so long. I need not just my burden carried, I need carried. Yeah. Someone say yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so we, we can cast our burden on him, but he's going to sustain you. Someone say me. He's going to sustain you. This is quite different from all the other gods of Old Testament Scripture. That we even read of Isaiah. We read of all these gods. They worship these heathen gods, these pagan gods. So exalted, if you will. Many times described in scripture as being very distant and not interested in the affairs of whoever worshiped them. For that matter, we read in Isaiah, what's going on? Oh, here is my God, whatever, wood and stone. They're carrying their god. They carry their God, you know, to their home and they put him down there. They carry him out here to the wilderness and they put him down there. What's going on? This is their great God that they serve and worship that they're having to carry around. So diametric then to the God of Israel. Because he told them, you don't have to worry about carrying me around. I'll carry you. Look at it in Isaiah. It's right there. This is one of the ways in which I'm different from all the other gods of the world. People's toting their gods around. But with me, I tote my people around. I carry them. I carry their burden. I carry their guilt. I carry their shame. I carry their hurts. I carry their. Because he understands. Let me pick my burden up for a moment and wipe my face. That is casting it. Psalms 14, verse 17. I know I got it in, folks. I know it. Psalms 14, verse 17. the, The psalmist says, But I am poor and needy. I love this. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing. Oh, my God. Is everybody doing Okay. Can I, you know, only do this three times a week? <laughs> Bishop, I think about Ezekiel 16. Whenever the Lord talks about he first came by Israel. And he's very uh, pick- type language to describe whenever he found Israel and he talks about them being a child that that had just been born and how their their umbilical cord had not been cut and how no one had salted them or washed them with water and that they were lying there in their blood they hadn't been swaddled none of that had taken place he talks to him about how no eye pitied them and and that no one had compassion upon them and they were just laid out in an open field as it were you know to meet their demise and so on and so forth but then he says but that i pass by you <laughs> No, I pitied, pitied you, but then I passed by you and I seen you in your own blood and what I did was is that I I, I caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field and I brought increase to you and, and I adorned you and when they didn't wash you, I washed you and when they didn't swaddle you, I swaddled you and I spoke life into you. I cleaned the blood off you. I washed you. I clothed you. I decked you with ornaments. That sounds so much so like a God. That understands. If you'll stand with me tonight, I will close. I will. I could just say so much more. One writer said it like this. Because of our understanding, because our understanding is earthbound, human to the core, limited finite we operate ladies and gentlemen in a dimension totally unlike our God who knows no such limitations we know this is us this is humanity we know the now but he sees the forever and with that my voice sometimes harmonizes with David's voice Sister Grace, whenever he said and questioned, kind of statement question type of scenario, what is man, Lord, that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou wouldest visit him. David goes through this mode and he says, I considered the heavens and I considered the works of your fingers. I considered the moon and the stars. What what is he getting? He's getting this grand picture, this lofty creator of God who's done all this. And he thinks, how in the world is he going to think on me? Little old David, why would he even be concerned with this speck of clay upon the earth? But not only does he think and is mindful of man... But most importantly, he understands all the interworkings of that man and what he has went through. God understands. Can we close our eyes all across this place? There has been so much hurt and so much pain in people's life for the past several months. So much hurt, so much pain. So many burdens people have been carrying on their shoulders that has wore a spot. Wore a spot in their soul. Wore a spot in their spirit. So many things that people have wagged their heads about. Not understanding the why. Not understanding the when. So many times. That I stand up here and I tell you as I started with tonight. I'm not ignorant. And I know. That if a sheep doesn't stand when there's opportunity, then there must be pain. And I feel like this evening I'm dealing still yet with some people that's enduring still a lot of pain. A lot of pain of different things, of circumstances, situations, prolonged things. Months that has turned into year things, internal things that doesn't necessarily have anything that's tangible, but there's just a lot of internal struggle, sorting through feelings and thoughts and so on and so forth. Sir, ma'am, I can, I can plactate you tonight, come to you and tell you, I understand, but you're going to sit there as I've said tonight and say, he just really doesn't. But I've come to tell you tonight, whenever I, even your pastor, don't understand, God understands. God understands, and He'll come down at the right time, and He won't refrain Himself, and He'll let you know in a very emph- emphatic way that He's not missed a single word, He's not missed a single expression of your feeling or the internal struggles of your mind or thoughts. That he understands every bit of it and he's akin to you associated to you he's not just some figure of power and influence but he's a figure of power of influence even for your life there's something i want you to notice and i i'm i'm trying not to preach more but i got to tell you this that whenever joseph could not refrain himself and he made himself known to his brothers just look at a few of these things that happened in the verses that precipitated. In verse number 4, Genesis 45, after he made himself known, you know what he says to the brothers? He says, come near unto me. A little further down, you know what he tells them? Oh, I love this, Sister Grace. He says, boys, I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to nourish you. Why? He says, because the years of famine are not over. Woo! What you're going through is not done. He says, but come near to me because I'm going to nourish you. And the Bible says he fell upon his brothers. He fell upon their neck. He wept upon them. And the Bible says, moreover, all of his brethren kissed him and wept upon him. Is that not a picture? Even of our God that understands, that knows when you need that warm embrace, when you need a shoulder to cry on, that he'll weep with you. But if you'll come near to him, he'll nourish you because he knows it's not over, but he's come in the middle of it because he knows you need his nourishment in order to make it through it. That God that I've been talking about, that understanding God, that mindful God is in this place right now tonight. That God is here right this evening. I wonder if there would be someone that before you exit this building, you would come to this altar and attempt to cast some of your care upon I wonder if there would be someone that would attempt to cast their care and pre-adventure maybe even slide yourself over into the arms of a God that understands your need, understands your situation, and understands you more than any other human being upon this planet. These altars are open tonight for people that want to come in contact with a God. Thank you for listening.